goodness, it was warm. Take your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, in good news, our, our text this morning, or this afternoon, is only half of a verse. You don't seem that excited. It's Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to talk, just go over the first verse, the first half of the verse, uh, verse 17. And uh, we'll see where we go. Let's go ahead and read it. Actually, let's, we'll read uh, probably from 14 uh, to verse 17. And then we're going to pray and see what God has for us this afternoon. Verse 14 says, For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. We'll stop there. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your love for us. I thank you for your word. Lord, your, your word tells us that it's good for doctrine, Lord. It's good for, it's good for correcting us, Lord. It's good for instructing us. Lord, in fact, your word tells us that it's good for equipping us for every good work. God, I thank you for your word and what it, what it, the power it has in our lives. God, I pray that you just give us, that your spirit would give us enlightening this, this, this afternoon, Father, that we might uh, take from this, uh, from this passage, Lord, uh, this, this truth, Father, uh, of Christ dwelling in us and help us to, to put it to practice, Lord, and help us to allow it to take place in our lives. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We've been going through Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, there in verse 13, and we, we skipped it, Paul says his desire, uh, that uh, wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation. And then in verse 14, he says, for this cause I bow my knee. Uh, his prayer, his desire is that God's people, the, the, the church there at Ephesus, wouldn't faint. He's writing to Christians, right? He's, he's writing to, to people that are already saved. They've already heard the gospel. They've placed their faith in Jesus Christ. So they have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They have forgiveness of sins. Uh, and, and in fact, he's already, he's already told them in chapter 2, and you hath he quickened who are dead in your trespasses and sins. So we know he's talking to save people. Uh, uh, so, so here he's, when, when we look at when the, the first time I read through this passage years ago, uh, I, I can remember thinking that, that it's all, as you read through it, it's almost like uh, he's praying for their salvation. Because he's praying for the strengthening of their inner man, for, the, for, for, the, for Christ to dwell in their hearts. So that sounds like salvation. But they're already saved, so that's not what he's talking about. In fact, he says, for this cause, and, he, and just before that, he tells us what the cause is. And it's that they faint not. And we talked about, as I said this morning, uh, the last week, or the last time I preached on Sunday morning, uh, before we left on vacation, uh, we talked about how uh, uh, we're not to faint and because others are watching us and we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. Others are relying upon us and that, and that others are laboring for us. And it, 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 there's good reason not to faint and not to quit. Uh, and even on top of that, God... God will reward us that our glory is in is in that we don't faint, and that God two of the five crowns of right of righteous two of the five crowns that are given to those Christians are mentioned that they persevere that they don't quit, and nobody won a medal of honor by stopping halfway. 
And, and, you know, by thinking that they wanted to do something courageous, they had to actually do it. Sometimes they didn't even think. They just did. Uh, nobody won a race by, by just by quitting halfway through or by never finishing. Uh, God's desire is that we finish. The Christian life is described uh, by Paul as a race in multiple different places, uh, as, as a contest in other places, or we fight, fight not against, uh, he talks about how we're, we're wrestling or we're fighting and uh, not as one that beateth the air. There's a purpose and a plan to what we're to do and and God's desire is that we don't quit. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11 says, uh, Wherefore, as uh, seeing we're so compassed about, so great a cloud of witnesses, run a race, right? It's this idea that we, we, that we run looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And later on in the chapter, it says, when we're talking about our, 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 our hands being, our, our, our weak knees and our, 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 wearied hand, our wearied hands or weary knees, it's talking about we're exhausted and weary. It says, you, you haven't fainted or you haven't striven under blood like Christ did. He says, encourage yourself, strengthen yourself, don't quit. It's important that we don't quit. But knowing that we're not supposed to quit doesn't tell us how not to quit because the truth is we all get tired and we all get weary. And Paul himself, again, just, just catching us back and getting us into the context of this, Paul himself has said, be not weary in well-doing. You can get weary, you can get exhausted, you can run to the, you can feel like you, you, it's time to quit or you have to quit even while you're in the midst of ministering and serving and doing everything you're supposed to do. Sometimes it's because of tribulations. Sometimes it's because of trials. Uh, sometimes it's because of, of just the work and just our physical and mental state. Sometimes it's a spiritual state, which we're in. But, but Paul here is telling us now in these next verses uh, how or what we can do, what the secret is of not fainting. And the secret is found in verse, verse uh, 16 there, or sorry, verse 14, for this cause I bow my knee. The secret is prayer. The secret, is, uh, uh, the secret of not fainting is that we would seek these next four key things that, uh, that, that are in this passage, uh, that, uh, that we would seek those things in prayer because God is the only one that can give it to us. Uh, the first one we talked about this morning, and that was the, the, the inner man or, or the inner strength, the strengthening of the inner man. And that was the first thing Paul prayed for was that God would strengthen the, the, the people at Ephesus uh, by the Spirit's power. Uh, notice that in that verse, verse 16, that there are only two capitalized letters in that. The first one is T, and that's because it starts off the sentence. The second one is the S in the word spirit because it's the spirit that does the work. It's the spirit of God. It isn't our spirit. It isn't a, a, a fleshly spirit or an earthly spirit. Uh, it's God's spirit that, that can do the work. And so he's asking there in verse, verse 16 uh, for, for, for God to strengthen them. Uh, by the man, we saw the benevolent gift that it was a gift of God. We saw the, the boundless grace that it was in accordance to the riches of God's glory. And there is no limit to what God can do for us. We look at the the we looked at at the uh, the bolstered gains, uh, the strength that's given to us, not by by what we do, but by what Christ or by what the Spirit does in us. And uh, then we looked at uh, the brand new guy. Uh, the, uh, the inner man, that, 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 that's that man that God has created within us and only God can, can strengthen to stand. Now that was the first thing that we need is that inner strength. The second we find here, and it's, they, 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 they kind of stack onto each other. Uh, if we are strengthened on the inner man, what we're going to see is that we have what, what is found in verse 17. And that is this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, he's praying for this, right? 
Paul is asking, Paul is praying that, that, that this would be the case, that they would be strengthened in their heart by the inner man. That, and we need strength, amen, to be, able to, to be able to go on. Without strength, you cannot go on. But if you have the strength, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to go on. You know how many people quit because they don't want to go on any farther? Because they don't, they don't think they can? Because they don't have the motivation. I'll give you, uh, this one is the, the, the belief or the faith that you can do it. The truth is, most of us, as we look at the word of God, and all, uh, I look at it and say, God, you want me to do that? And I want to do that, but I can't. <laughs> I, 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 it is impossible for me to, to, to be that man that you want me to be. I cannot be this man, this man that comes down to the fullness of God. And hey, there at the, at the last one, uh, we're looking at the, uh, here at the, at, at the faith that's ne- needed. We're looking at, we're going to look at uh, probably next uh, Wednesday uh, at the motivation, and that's the love of God and, and, and the, the fullness of God, that feeling of the Spirit. I, I, I can't do what God wants me to do by myself. As much, I've even tried. How many of us have tried to do it and failed over and over and over and over again? And we're still, it's like we're beating ourselves, our heads against the wall, saying, God, I just want to do it. Why can't I do it? Because we're doing it in our own strength. Instead of trusting in the spirit, in the, the process of sanctification, the process of God strengthening that inner man and allowing Christ to dwell in us. And we're going to talk about what that means. Because we, we, we talk about when we get saved, well, ask Jesus into your heart. What does that mean? The Bible never tells us to ask Jesus into our heart. It does tell us that, that Jesus here, and in a few other verses, that he does dwell in us. But what does it really mean for Christ to dwell in our hearts? So we're going to talk about that here this afternoon. We're going to talk about, uh, this morning we talked about the inner strength this, this afternoon, uh, just this half of a verse. We're going to talk about the indwelling Savior. The indwelling Savior, because that is absolutely necessary. If we're not going to faint, we can not only have the, the strength to go on, God can strengthen us to do something, but we also have the, to have the faith to do it. We have to believe that God can do that work in us. And if we don't believe it, guess what? We're not going to do it. If we think it's too much for us, guess what? You're not going to even try. You can get in the middle of trying and say, this is hard. God, I can't do it. So guess what? You've lost the battle right there. You're never going to accomplish what it is that God, what God was trying to do in your life because you're not allowing God to do it because of your disbelief or your lack of faith. This indwelling Savior, uh, it's interesting this word dwell here. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. It's the, the Greek word, I'm going to probably slaughter this, but it's the katoyeko, it means to reside permanently, to inhabit and this is my favorite, to pervade. Now, think of something uh, to, to inhabit permanently. Uh, I've rented homes before. And you know what I always hated about those homes that I rented? I could never really do what I wanted to do with them. We, uh, Jess and I, I rented a house before I got married. And uh, I wasn't allowed to paint the walls. I wasn't allowed to, to, to change the carpets. It, was, it wasn't a bad place, but it wasn't the nicest place in the world. And I've been in some really bad places. My first apartment, my parents saw that, and I think they were terrified for me when they, when, after they visited. I think they, they upped their prayer game for me for a little while because uh, it was a terrible apartment, the worst place I've ever lived in, in Augusta. But when you dwell someplace, it's not just that you're there for a little bit of time. 
you're not just occupying a spot. You're inhabiting that place. And when you inhabit something, and when you dwell there permanently, meaning I'm not going to go anywhere, you get to make some changes. Right? It's okay. You don't have to ask for permission to paint the walls. You just paint the walls. because Or you, you, you change the carpets out, or you, you, you can move the furniture around, or whatever it is. It's, it's now your place. You can do what you want. My favorite definition there is pervade. Because it, it, it's, it gives this idea of permeation, uh, oh, where it, the word permeate means uh, it's like uh, the light is permeating the glass. It's coming through the glass uh, and going through whatever pores or between the different atoms and things like that. But pervade means it, it, that, that it reaches every minute place uh, that, that, that's available, every space that's, that's available. And Christ is to pervade us. I mean, there isn't a place, there isn't a room, there isn't a, a closet in, my, in the house of my heart that God hasn't gone in and cleansed and, and, and inhabited. Uh, uh, many times we'll, we'll, have, uh, we'll say, God, you can have the throne of my heart, you can, you can have control of my life, all except for this one little part right here that I want to have control over. The problem with that, though, is God is not king of your heart. You still are, because you're putting limits upon what God can do. This idea of permeation, this, this idea of allowing or, or having Christ dwell in us means that he has, he has access, and not just access, but, but he has rule over every part of you. Every part of you. Not just a small part of you. So in this, this, this idea of, uh, that, that Paul is praying for, for, the, for, for Christ to dwell in their hearts by faith, what he's praying for is that Jesus Christ would, would, would completely inhabit every bit of their life, every, every aspect of their life. There's not one section of their life, one moment of the day, one, one, one thought in their mind, one, one, one desire of the heart that God does not have his hand upon and control over. And they don't have submission unto him. Because that's what it comes down to. God will, God's sitting there at the steering wheel wanting to take control. And we're sitting in the passenger seat saying, no, 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 me, me. Right? In, in certain areas of our life. So this idea of Christ dwelling in our heart is just that. It's a permeated life. That means, that means when I get up in the morning, I don't fill my, my, my day with the things of this world. I start my day out in prayer and seeking God's face. And, and it, I allow God to, to, to have his way in, in the way I interact with others. A lot of times we'll say, well, you know, before I have coffee, I'm just not somebody you should be around. I'm sorry, but before you have the Holy Spirit, you were somebody you shouldn't be around. After the Holy Spirit, coffee shouldn't matter. <clears throat> I'm stepping on toes. I like my coffee too. Don't misunderstand me. But, but uh, this is a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And when I go to the workplace, it, that isn't just a separate place that I go. Well, for me, I, I come here. So for me, big, this isn't that hard. But back when I was working in the world and, and as a paramedic, and, man, you go into the world when you're working. I mean, you're dealing with lost people on a, on a regular basis or all day long. And, and you're having to hear the filth and hear the... listen. Let, let Christ have control of you in that environment as well. Don't let it be a separate place. 
or in how you deal with it. It's, it, 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 it. We're literally talking about every aspect of your life, what you watch on TV, what you read, what you listen to, uh, where you go, uh, who you talk to, everything, allowing God to have control over that and being submissive to God in that. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but who dwells in me? Christ liveth in me. See, but Paul, the same, same problem. Uh, uh, he, yes, he, he was an apostle. He was back in the days of the beginning of the church, but he didn't spend his days in the church and with the other apostles. He spent his days with the few men who went with him, and he traveled the world doing what? Telling others about Jesus Christ. He didn't say, listen, I'll, uh, I really value what I did growing up. Uh, Lord, you can have most of my life. I want to hold back this little part of it, and I'll, I'll give you the rest of it. No. Paul's life was completely transformed from the moment he got saved, as far as we can tell from Scripture. He gave up everything and counted his dung that he might, that, that he might serve God, and, and, and God used him. But God turned his life upside down. See, we can't turn the world upside down if we're not going to let God turn us upside down. Man, those disciples, they left everything. They left their careers, and, and some of them, they, 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 well, they all gave their lives. They, they left their families to serve God. Now, that didn't mean they left them behind, and, and they weren't good, good husbands and, and spouses and good fathers. Uh, we, we know that Peter was married. He had a wife. I don't believe he left her behind. I wasn't talking much about her. We stayed in Jerusalem, though. Right? He, he, he still served God, but his life was no longer a fisherman. And he was no longer the man he used to be because the Pharisees looked at him and said, well, we know he's an ignorant, unlearned man, but you can tell he spent time with Jesus. So there's, there's this idea of this, this permeation, this permeated life where it affects every bit of our life. Every bit of our life. It's a permeated life. It's a powered life. This goes back to the the, the, verse, the verse before, the same work that, that the, there in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, it's done by the Spirit to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. It's, it's the same power, it's the same Spirit which works in us here uh, that empowers this life. This, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a powered life. A lot of times we think of people that are, man, they're full of the Spirit, and they're full, it's, well, they, they, you know, they, that's just before we read about it with, uh, with Peter, being full of the Spirit, then he would open his mouth and preach. Uh, Jesus told the disciples that, that they would, that the, the power would be given unto them, and then they would be witnesses. We think of how, man, if that's, they're supposed to be full of the, the, the Spirit to, to be able to be that witness, to be able to be that servant of God. But I would say this, while God uses us being full of the Spirit and God enables us or equips us with the Spirit to serve, I think, I believe, and I'm, I guarantee you Scripture bears this out, we're, we're to have this, be full of the Spirit to live. Think about it. Galatians chapter 5. If you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Does that say anything about witnessing or telling any others about Christ? No. It's Acts chapter 6. They're to search out 
seven men. First qualification, full of the Holy Ghost. And we're talking about apostles who have been endued with that power to go out and preach the gospel. They're talking about men who are going to be servants in the church. And this is, in fact, before they were servants in the church. He says, call and search out seven men full of the Holy Spirit. That tells me some of the people there in the church weren't full of the Holy Spirit. And there were some that were. And you could tell the difference. Do you know how you can tell the difference? Because Christ dwelled in their hearts. Every aspect of the life was, was overtaken by and given over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and they were able to look at, it wasn't because he was doing miracles and, and, and speaking in tongues that they found these men. Uh, they found these men because, because, uh, because of the Spirit had control of their lives. And they weren't living like they used to live. And they weren't talking like they used to talk. They weren't, they weren't doing those things. They loved God and God was blessing them. It's a powered life. Powered by the same Spirit that, that, uh, that saved them. And it's a patterned life. It's a patterned life, patterned after Jesus Christ. Because if Christ is, is dwelling in me and influencing my thoughts and my actions and, and my choices and everything about me, uh, uh, then, then my life is going to be patterned off what would Jesus do? You ever hear the story or read the book, In His Steps? You young people, I encourage you to read it. It would be an awesome book for you. It's a, it was written a long time ago, but the story is great. Ever hear, you probably heard this, the what would Jesus do bracelets? Of course, that was, that was still 15 years ago. I'm old. That's how old I am now. Uh, but the what would Jesus do? They came from that book. The, they came from that challenge of, of, of truly just living your life, doing what, what, making the choices that you believe that Jesus would, would, have, would, would do in the same situation you were in. In that book, the, the businesses, businessmen made, made the choices about their business based upon what they thought Jesus would do in that particular situation. And guess what? Some of them had to close down on certain days and others lost some businesses. But God blessed them. Why? Because they were fully given over to the Holy Spirit. They were allowing Christ to dwell in them. It was, a, it was a patterned life. So how do we pattern that life? Well, Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. I believe that's a pretty good pattern. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Those are all characteristics of Jesus. Right? There's, not a, there's not one thing in that list that Christ would not, would not do or any way that he would, would not react. It's a patterned life. Look with me, if you would, over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 23. Before we read this, actually, keep your finger there. Turn back to Ephesians. Hopefully, you kept your finger there. But... The last part of that, we're allowed, or, or, or Paul was praying that Christ would dwell in their hearts. What were the last two words? By faith. By faith. Well, I have faith. Does that mean, does that, mean that, that, uh, that Christ is dwelling in my heart? Well, we all have faith. And there's there there's small faith and there's large faith and 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 uh, even Jesus said of certain people uh, such uh, he had, uh, he called 
he called Peter's faith, uh, uh, O thou of little faith, right? And then the, uh, the Gentile woman, uh, Gentile man, says, the greater faith hasn't been found in Israel. All right, so there's great faith, there's, there's small faith. Uh, we can have different levels of faith, I, I suppose you could say. But there is saving faith. And if you're saved, you have that. And if you have saving faith, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. But if I remember something, Hebrews 11, or Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about these, these great men of faith, uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and they did things by faith. See, faith wasn't just a belief in salvation, the believing that God would save you. The Bible says that Abraham believed God, and it was kind of an righteousness. But he didn't just believe God for the promise God gave him. He packed up because God told him to pack up, and he went searching for a city that he never, that he never actually laid eyes on. That's faith. Faith requires action. Now, I'm not saying that the that, that, that action is the faith. I'm, I'm saying that, that the action is the result of your faith. Just like James says, faith without works is dead. Right? If you truly believe something, if you truly believe, that, uh, that, 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 then you'll live or act in accordance with your beliefs. A lot of people say, I believe God is coming again. That Christ is coming again. But they're not living like they believe it. I believe that people are going to die and go to hell without faith in Jesus Christ, but yet they don't live like they believe it. Now, I'm not saying that they don't have some faith. I'm saying that faith is little. That their faith hasn't grown enough, isn't, isn't big enough to get them to act upon their faith. If they're, if, if they're saved, if, they, if they're truly saved, listen, I, can't, I cannot look in your heart, I cannot look in anybody's heart and say whether or not you, they're saved. That is between them and God. But what I can say is this. Jesus said, we'll know them by their fruits. Or by their fruits you shall know them. And what I can say is, is that if I truly believe something, it will affect the way I live my life. Now back to John chapter 14, and it's verse 23. So Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. My Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. There's something that's important there. You see that if he loves me, he'll do what? He'll keep my words. There is obedience. There is action involved in this. And if he's not keeping my words, now that's not saying if you do it, that you're saved because you do these things. It's saying that faith works itself out in action. Right? Let's look at a couple other verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Going the wrong way. Second Corinthians chapter 13. I wrote 13. I hope this is the right one. Yes. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own so selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you? Except ye be reprobates. What does this mean? It says, examine whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. 
Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. I struggled with that word reprobate for a long time. Because the, because the Bible teaches that we're kept by the, by the Holy Spirit. Right? Uh, we're sealed unto the day of redemption. Uh, the, 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 he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. God has promised that I cannot lose my salvation. I didn't do anything to earn it. I cannot keep it. But uh, this word reprobate in here, it always got me. They're like, what does it mean? You find it in the book of Hebrews, too. Uh, uh, what, is, what does it mean? Can I, can I, can I lose my salvation uh, for any way? You know what the word reprobate means? Found not to be pure. Something that was tested and failed. So what it's saying is something that looked good on the outside that, that, that is kind of like a kind of like a, a piece of pottery, right? You the the, the potter forms the, the potter or the pottery. Uh, the uh, he 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 paints it. He does whatever he, he does to it, and then he kills it, and it looks good until they test it. And they can test it by you by by putting light inside to see if there are any cracks. Uh, uh, there, there are specific ways they test it. And guess what? When it fails, it's found to be reprobate. Meaning it wasn't real. It wasn't, it was never, it was never what it was supposed to be. There are there are those who say they're saved and look like they're saved on the outside, but there is no inner man. There is no, there is no Christ dwelling in them, and they'll be found reprobate. Why? Because Jesus, Jesus himself said that there'll be, there'll be many that say, Lord, Lord, right? And, and it says that he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Now that verse there says, Prove yourself. So how do you do that? How, how can we be sure that, that we're not reprobate? How can we be sure that we're real? By the strengthening of the inner man and allowing Christ to dwell in us by faith. What that means is we submit ourselves to the Word of God and the Spirit of God and we give our lives over wholly unto God and allow Him to change us. Because without, it's not something that we can do ourselves. Salvation and uh, regeneration, that's all of God, not of ourselves. There, there will be people that look good and dress right and talk right and know all the words to the hymns and know all the verses to the songs and maybe even led the songs themselves or preached messages themselves that are going to get to heaven and says, but Lord, I did all this in your name. And he's going to say, reprobate. Why? Because there was never anything in the inner man. There, was, there couldn't be any strengthening to something that's dead. Have you ever tried to get something dead stronger? It doesn't work. Dead things stay dead unless God does something in them. Unless God quickens them. Look with me in Colossians chapter 3.16. So how do we do this ourselves? How, how, can we, how, how can we be sure ourselves? How can we uh, allow this uh, Christ to dwell in us? Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. I had, many, I had several passages I could have gone with. Colossians 3.16, John chapter 15. Psalms chapter 1, 
They all say the same thing. But verse 16 here in Colossians chapter 3 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. There you have that word dwell again. You also have Christ again, but notice what it says now, it's the word of Christ. In John 15 it says, if you abide in me and my, if I, if, if my word, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, it's talking about that connection that we have with Christ. Listen, we're, we're, we're nurtured, we're strengthened, not by the words that we read, but by the spirit that's in them, and, and, and the spirit that's in us, and God strengthens our spirit, and God, God and, and as we humble ourselves and submit ourselves, this letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly, so, is, is I'm humbly submitting myself and allowing God to dwell in me and to affect the change in my life that needs to take place. Because otherwise, it's, it says I shouldn't do this. Okay, so I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to, I've got this. We've been there. And we've already, we've, already, we've already acknowledged what happens. We fail. Instead, I study and I pray. And I ask God, Lord, I can't do this on my own. God, I pray that you would not only help me to see and understand, but God, make in me the changes that need to take place. Strengthen my spirit. Man, feed my, uh, I, I feed my spirit by, by, by prayer and by reading the word and then submitting myself to the word of God and allowing God to change me instead of me just saying, check, 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 check. Okay, I'm marking all the boxes off because that's not what God does. You're his masterpiece. He is working on you. He doesn't want you to look, like the, look the part. He wants you to be the part. And as we go through, as he builds on onto, not only does he want us to, to dwell in us, he wants us rooted and grounded in love and, and, and to, to, to be consumed in, in, in the idea and the understanding of, of his love and the knowledge of that and unto the fullness of the Spirit. That fullness of Spirit is where he, God has control and fills us every bit. And that's how we don't faint. And... Those are other verses we haven't got to yet, so don't, don't get ahead of me. But I want to encourage you this, this afternoon in just this half of a verse. God's desire is to work in you and to change you and make you to be more and more like Christ. And that's, that, that is the ultimate goal. And, and Christ dwelling in you and by faith takes you believing that God can actually do it. And then you putting help getting out of the way. Colossians 3 says, let the word of Christ. Uh, Ephesians says in chapter 4, put on the new man. Right? And the, 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 there is an idea, there is a thought that, that, uh, that, that while God's doing the work, we have to do our part. And uh, I, encourage, uh, I encourage you to, to let God do his part by, and do your part by studying and reading and submitting to the Word of God. And that's how we grow, folks. My, my, greatest, my, my biggest prayer for our church isn't that we fill out the seats in numbers. That would be great. I would love it. I'd love to see visitors here every week. And I'm praying that we see the visitors and we see souls saved. Don't get me wrong. But my greatest prayer for our church is that our people will grow. Because when our, as our people grow, then... Their, out, their personal outreach grows, right? And they, they, they begin to reach out to those that are around them. My kids invited, invited their neighbor friends. 
And what a blessing it was for them to, for them to come. That was Hannah. They were playing in the other room, and I heard Hannah ask. I'm like, oh, that's just awesome. And we're glad you guys came. But that takes growth. And it will come as time. I encourage you to let the Lord work and have his way with us. John 15 describes it like the, the, like the, uh, he is our, the branch, and we, or we are the branch and he's the vine. John 1, or Psalms 1, we're to be rooted and planted by the rivers of water. God's word is so important to us. Don't, don't neglect the word of God and don't underestimate the power that it has in it. All right, so we'll go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray you just speak to each one of us and help each one of us to, to truly just take a, a look at our lives and, and help us to examine whether or not we're allowing Christ to dwell in us. Lord, is there any part in our life, uh, any, 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 anything at all that we're holding back from you? And if there is, God, I pray that you would help us to give it over. Lord, I pray that you'd be with, our, with this body of believers, our church, Lord, those that are here and those that aren't here, God, I pray for strengthening of the inner man. Lord, I pray for, uh, I, Lord, I pray for uh, that that Christ would dwell in them as well. Lord, and, and that, Lord, that, that we would just grow as a church. I pray that that you, that you would see uh, that you would see a, a desire in us or plant a desire in us to to become more and more like Christ. And Lord, may we ha through that have an effect on those around us. Lord, we pray, we pray for those that might not be saved. God, I pray that you would uh, give us opportunity to share the gospel and to be the witness and testimony that you called us to be. Lord, so, we're surrounded by folks that need, need the gospel. I pray that you give us opportunity and give us awareness of that, um, that we can do what you call us to do. We love you, Father, and we're so thankful for all that you've done. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.